2: So I'm sort of in the middle, so I'll just moderate. You win. <laughs> You're we
3: don't
2: have to <laughs> the titles, I'm Uh This panel is the hero's journey. So if you are here for any other panel besides that, you are free to leave. <laughs> um, uh, I'd, I'd like to ask the panelists maybe to um, introduce themselves. Maybe from Danny, begin there and come all the way down
1: i Lee Simner, I'm a young adult and middle-grade author, an author of the Bones of Fairy Trilogy, and most recently I wrote the script for the video game, The Huntsman Winter's Curse.
4: I'm Beth Meacham, I edit science fiction and fantasy and other related things, um, and I'm an executive editor at Tor Books, where I've worked for 35 years, editing science fiction and fantasy and other related things.
2: Yes, heard over yes, the panelists. Yeah, it's, it's a really loud conditioning system, so you have to speak up a little bit more than you would and normally. And if you can't hear,
4: like, say something. I have not heard one word. Come sit in this nice chair right up front.
3: We'll have to project. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Tamara Boyens. <laughs> <laughs> hear me back there. Uh, I write primarily science fiction. I do a lot of cyberpunk. Um, My book that's out right now is called Under Dark Sky Law. Um, I also try to write kind of in the feminist. Um, I do LGBT writing. Uh, I'm with a mid-sized publisher called Supposed Crimes. You should check them out. They do a lot of cool stuff, which um, I'll talk about more in other panels. Uh, And in my day job, I'm a teacher. I teach at the University of Arizona. I'm a professional linguist. um, And I also teach classes on Literature, Global Studies,
2: uh, and Korean language. My name is Weston Oaks, Um, I'm the author of uh, a bunch of books, most recently the SEAL Team 666 series that Dwayne Johnson has put in development hell for the last three years, Um, and uh, the Grunt Life, a military sci-fi series that um, deals with PTSD.
1: Linda Addison. Um, I've
5: written mostly poetry and short stories. I'm working on a science fiction novel now. And my latest is How to Recognize the Demons Become Your Friend. Rather relevant, I think. And it's a collection of short stories and poetry, science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, and I've won some Bram Stoker's.
0: <laughs> My name is Earl Billick, I'm a token artist of the panel, uh, science fiction fantasy, art science, uh, but I'm also something of an avid Joseph Campbell, Campbell, an uh, acolyte, so I think that's why I ended up here.
2: So with that, Westman, let's go! All right, the hero's journey. Who has not heard of Joseph Campbell in this room? All right, so so, so we're beginning from a a system of knowledge that that Joseph Campbell kind of took this this thing and codified it, this hero's journey. But what does it have to do with writing? What does it have to do with art? Um, Jenny, let me just ask you, and maybe we can talk about this. So there's a thing called the hero's journey where where, um, there is a distributed sort of plot that goes through our culture. But you write, do you consciously think of the hero's journey when you write, or is that more part of who you are?
1: I never consciously think about it, and ninety percent of the time it winds up there, which means it's somewhere. And I do know writers who plan to follow it, but I always realize it after the fact.
4: Uh, I I believe that there are well. certain fundamental human truths that come out of our very wiring, um, our ancient deep cultural history, and I don't mean the last 500 years, I mean the last 5 million years of stories that humans tell and ways humans think. And the hero's journey is one of those. It is so basic that I don't think anybody can write fiction without dropping into some part of the hero's journey. We can't do it. We can't think about story without following, to some extent, that formula. All we can do is alter it, examine it, turn it around and be conscious of it. The minute we go unconscious, we are on that journey.
3: I definitely do write consciously with the, the hero's journey in mind. And for those you who aren't super familiar with it, and in fact, I often forget the finer details of it. If you look at it really closely, there's a lot of really detailed steps in the hero's journey, which makes it even more mysterious. That, um, like she was saying, anybody who's been exposed to any Western movie, any Western piece of literature um, or storytelling has some. And yes, it not just Western. Everything. Um, but um, we kind of have this innate sense that this is, this is a storytelling format that we're familiar with even though we don't know it. Um, so if you don't know you're doing it, a lot of times you'll drop into it anyway. Um, but if you're writing and you found that your story is somehow fallen flat or there's something missing, a lot of times it's because you're missing some key chunk of the hero's journey um, and you just haven't realized it. And you might send it out to your beta readers and they're like, I loved it until, uh, something in part two just kind of didn't work for me. And if you actually sit down and analyze it, a lot of times it's not that you need every single little aspect of the hero's journey. In fact, I don't I don't think anybody here probably does. That. <coughs> um, but if you sit down and analyze it, a lot of times you'll find, hmm, I don't have that particular archetype or I'm missing that particular story movement. And that's making it fall flat. So that's kind of one of the reasons I think the hero's journey is, is Fascinating and interesting to anybody. Um, we did this last night. Like, who here is an aspiring writer, or or a writer, author,
2: however you want to label yourself? Yeah. So. I like I like that you said that you know you can read something and it doesn't click. It's because our brain is wired to hear stories a certain way. Our, our brain is wired um, so that uh, when we when we when we hear hear a story about a hero or heroine or whatever going through trials and tribulations that there are steps and if it, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't work. Um, George Lucas intentionally used the hero's journey when he wrote probably the most successful franchise in the last hundred years. Um, and he also admits to taking a lot of the plot from uh, um, Kurosawa's um, Hidden Fortress, the movie. Now in the Hidden Fortress, there wasn't a Luke Skywalker, there but there was R2-D2 and there was C-3PO, which, which were the two the two major characters who helped helped, um, save the princess from the evil empire, right? Um, It's it's really relevant in all cultures, uh, this idea that you'll take a common person um, going about their way, you will change their life, and then that person will have to find a way back to commonality, and that's really what The Hero's Journey is about.
5: I think uh, the fact is that if you read about the background in it that I did years ago, is that it, it's also influenced by Jung as an approach that there's a collective consciousness. So as a human being, we're all living our hero's journey. We're all a hero in our lives, and whenever we go to approach something, whether we decide to go through it or not, we're going to hit some of these points. It might be the fear that stops us. It might be not finding a mentor that stops us in our real life. So, I believe, as, as Beth said in particular, that it is not something you have to be conscious of. I'm not when I write. I kind of can feel when the rhythm of the story is working without knowing that something's missing because there's something in the, in the arc of the character's development in the story. You know, and what they want and what it costs them, what they go through that I feel is missing without having to look at the 12 steps of the hero's journey. So I think it's very human and whether you hit all the steps or not, sometimes I think you can probably say you do because one of the 12 steps might just be a thought, might be a sentence in your story and then you spend a lot of the other story <laughs> on some of the other steps of it. But I think because it's so human, because it's part of the way we do things that I don't know that you can really avoid it in, in, a, in a general art when you're writing about a character going through something.
0: Uh, I definitely agree with the, the genetic imprint con- uh, thought process. Way back before we had writing, books. we had storytelling. And uh, that storytelling, the way to get people to identify with the story and, and identify with the characters You had to put them through the same kind of things and adversities that you might face in the the real world. And so in turn, you have, you always start in the real world. You always start here and now or or what we present as the here and now. And then you start delivering adversity. You start delivering solutions. You start taking them in from the regular world into what Joseph Campbell called the special world. Which, you know, in the in the old myths was the underworld, for example. Case of uh, Star Wars as well, we're going into the Empire, of the Death Star, and all that. So, in Lord of the Rings, exactly, and pretty much every great epic has some aspects of, of the hero's journey, uh, and most of the most of the ones that last uh, have all of the aspects. Of it. So, do you maybe want
3: to tell us what those? Steps oh, work. okay, well, you know
0: what? I happen to have There are two. Oh, oh, right. <laughs> 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 it's really <cool. laughs> So, okay, now, are there, uh, there are two stages in the journey: There's the ordinary world and the special world. And we started at stage one, or step one, which is at the ordinary world. We're introduced to here. here's the here and now. It's just you and me or whatever. And then we have the call to adventure, which is the second step means that this ordinary person or this ordinary scenario Just imagine Frodo. <laughs> yes, mm. yes. Sh- or, or Shire. Or, 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 or Harry Potter. even more so Bilbo. Bilbo. And and, 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 and then there is the the refusal of the call, which you know if, you know a lot of well I'm just a normal guy. I'm not I can't do this. I, you know this is not a thing for me. This guy then the meeting of the mentor, which is the fourth step, which is the mentor's going, yeah, well, yeah, you're an ordinary guy, but guess what? And then the crossing of the threshold, which is a critical step. Which is after the meeting of the mentor, that's where we go from here. We are in the ordinary universe, sitting in the shire. Now we're on the trip. We're, no heading, we're heading to the <laughs> <minute-heading>. <laughs> oh, Exactly.
5: I've never gone this far from the Shire before. <laughs> <laughs> Tatooine, where are you? <laughs> first key
0: adversi- our first key adversity occurs in the beginning of the special world, in the sixth level. Tests, allies, and enemies. So this is this the, the challenges that uh, have, have to be done to get the, the golden fleece. You know, all kinds of things uh, are there. After they go through a certain amount of tests, enemies, and allies, you have... Step seven, deeper into the special world, which is the approach. Uh, the of alliance. Yeah, to say we're getting in our X wings, we're going to the yeah. So uh, step number eight is the ordeal, death and rebirth. This is at the depth of the special world. Uh, after the the death and rebirth comes step nine. Which well, V1 dies and
2: he becomes a hero. There
0: you go. Reward and seizing the soul. Wesley
4: is tortured to death. Right.
0: So, the reward in seizing the sword uh, is starting to bring us back around the ark, back to the ordinary world. We're still in the special world. And 10, which is right on the cusp, is the way back. This is coming back to the ordinary world. 11 is the resurrection, uh, which can be interpreted in a lot of ways, but it's basically you're back in the ordinary world, and I've been touched and affected. I've been in the land of fear. Been you know uh, yeah I'm a Jedi I'm giving more to this than normal. and 12 is return with the elixir, uh, which is blow her, up the Death her, Star. Her, yeah right. <laughs> and those are the twelve steps that
2: Joseph Campbell outlined there in The Journey. So, can, super simple. simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know you can find these online in a, in, in a lot of different places. Um, yes. yes please. I so this so Chris Vogler um, is is like the genius <laughs> with this. I I I. I've c- created classes that I've given based on this guy. You wanna write because because what he's done is not only has he codified the hero's journey in a fiction capacity, but he's translated it to how you write screenplay. <laughs> so act one, act two, act three. The first screenplay I ever wrote, um, I didn't know how to write a screenplay. Somebody said, hey, can you write like an, an add-on to this story? So I wrote a screenplay of the story. And um, it was almost sold to Wesley Spikes because not that I'm any good at writing screenplays, I follow the hero's journey, and so it's a recognizable plot that that, that somebody could do. Um, and I stole considerably from this guy because he's a genius.
3: Yeah, actually, if you read this book and at the back of it, it's kind of funny when we're talking about you know as we kind of chimed in, oh, that's like when Luke Skywalker leaves. You know, uh, one of the things that this book does is. <laughs> Shows you through several popular novels. It's like The Lion King, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, particularly, like you wouldn't think Pulp Fiction oh, yeah, it totally um, because it's Oh totally yeah. is. This is like there you go. You can, yeah, you can stick it in there and it and it works. Um, but like Wesley was saying, kind of the cool thing is is that it also gives you different types of archetypes to work with. So like with Hollywood, um, we've got different types of heroes. So a lot of times we'll see what are called catalyst heroes. Um, so actually Wesley Snipes a lot of times um, in movies like, I think they even make an example, um, in like Beverly Hills Cop or something like that would be a catalyst hero because he's not actually really changing that whole much, he's changing things around him. And so it can give you a lot of good information about how to structure your hero, what kind of hero is your hero, and what types of things do they need to do in order to resonate with your audience. Like we don't really care that Wesley Snipes doesn't really grow as a character in Beverly Hills Cop because that's not what it's about. <laughs> but people around him do change, and the things the city kind of falls apart around him. So, it really did you, he, right. the but author's th- name and title again. Chris Vogler. Oh, it's Chris
4: Vogler. Mm-hmm.
3: It's called uh, The Writer's Journey. This one's the second yes. edition. <laughs> you call the editions good. Thank you. Um, something else to mention really quickly is that if this is too dense for you, because this is this is quite um, there's a lot in here, and it's hard to follow. it. I forget it. I use it as a reference. There are other Versions or condensed versions of this you can use that are um, kind of distill some of the. And there's the Star Wars elements.
5: one with pictures by the <laughs> <way. laughs> <laughs> <You can, laughs> I like that one. They My have, they have, I have the yeah.
2: dense
3: one and I have the
5: Star
1: Wars They have Star one with Wars,
2: pictures. they have Harry Potter. I mean, they have basically every single successful franchise that you can think of. Peter Pan. Of Follow P- P- this generation. P- yeah. My, <laughs>
1: My very favorite place to go actually is TV Tropes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was going
5: to mention, too, that when you're writing uh, something, my my approach is a lot of different ways to do this, right? So if you're writing a news story, novel, whatever, I feel like you should just write the first draft as it comes to you from inspiration. And then when you read back through it, then see how these 12 things sort of impress themselves on it. And if it feels like somewhere in your story, energy is not moving, which is one of the things I always feel, that's a place to look, or if energy drag. Maybe you're spending too much time in one thing and not in another as far as what's translating with the characters, with the action. But I personally don't know that I would suggest someone start with this outline and go, now I'm gonna write to this. If you do and it works, Cool, but you know, I think it's better to just get it out of you first, inspiration, and then see how you possibly could shape it to bring a little bit more energy and depth to it by looking at the
2: hero's journey. You know, often I have to write an outline because there are certain editors, certain publishing houses that you know require an outline, okay? Blair, yep.
4: Blair. Yep, right. <laughs> um, And. But that, you know why? Why? Because we really need to know that you how the story ends? That's, you know, that's okay. what I was thinking.
2: That's <laughs> what I was thinking. But okay. if you change it, as long as you, long you, as you don't do not a whole job
5: line, you yeah, yeah. know that you know that because then you can change yeah. it, but they want you to think about it. Oh yeah, changing you know.
4: not so much a problem but, as yeah. long as it, like, works, but, yep. you know, but knowing that you know it's how different. it ends is, like, phenomenally important. I always, I
2: always treat outlines like a GPS, right? I I might know how to get to this place in Phoenix, but I turn my GPS on, yep. and it, it'll say recalculated in yep. in increasingly condescending ways. Right? <laughs> 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 um, but eventually, yeah. but I get to the place that I want to go to.
4: Yeah. Outlines are also a really, really useful tool for a writer they are. in seeing how the structure of your plot works and where it might be weak. And where it needs to be shored up and rebalanced. That's what I was going to mention. Um, yeah. um,
2: I have, I have, um, my my New York publishers absolutely require outline for all of my Seal Team books and all the other books. Um, and generally, what happens is I is I is I write the outline and then I consider the hero's journey afterwards. I look at it and I say, is it following it, and um, am I okay with the the places where it's not following it? Um, because I, I want to I write my story, but I also want to write a story that, that is so engaging that you will so accept that you'll buy my next book as well. Um, my British publisher uh, knows me well enough that I can just give them a paragraph and they're good, but that's, that's really hurting me right now because I'm two months behind deadline. Because, because I wrote my own, my own outline um, for a great 60,000 word book, but it's not the 90,000 word book that I'm contracted for. Um, so
4: so you redouble your steps in the journey
2: so so I realized that what I didn't do is I didn't look at the hero's journey when I wrote the outline and uh, only only recently have I been been looking at the outline going you know you're an idiot because you missed like step seven, 8, nine10 and so I'm able to go back in because I'm 30,000 words short and I'm not gonna pad I can't pad you guys would hate me you'd never find yeah, 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 I right. have to I have to write. I have to write the story that should should have been the story to begin with. So I, I do think considering the heroes during the outline for me is important because it, it really keeps me on that track. That's
1: where you get into the fact that every writer is different. So, you know, you have to find the way that works for you. You know, some of us have to write a rough draft and then write an outline and pretend that we started with that. Not pretend but you know, we know it's a needed sales tool and we get what we need
3: to create it. And I think you can also adjust, the cool thing about the hero's journey is that you can adjust the stages for your genre and your type of book, for instance. So like if we look at the ordinary world and we look at some of the kind of seminal examples like um, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, there's a lot of times where you spend all this time in the ordinary world. Like we're hanging out in the Shire, we're hanging out in tackling for a fairly protracted amount of time. Um, my book, this book, for instance, is a very tightly paced action novel um, and so when I was writing it I'm like I don't have time for the ordinary world there's no ordinary world and I was like actually you know what I screwed up it really does need an ordinary world my ordinary word probably lasts 10 pages though so I've got 10 pages of ordinary world and then the catalyzing incident happens and then off we go but it's still in there and it wasn't it didn't feel right until I put those it's only 10 pages but it really fixed the book, and it's because I stopped and said, what's wrong? Oh, we never got The Ordinary World, even though I wanted to launch right and made his rest into like, you know, the point of the action. So,
5: And I think, again, the reason why the Hero's Journey is talked about so much, and it's in genre and non-genre, is because, again, there's a certain arc of satisfaction when you're reading a real story or you're living a real life that you need. And that's why if you don't If you don't give the reader a little bit of foundation in the ordinary world where this character came from that set them on this path, there's a, even if they can't even voice it, there's an unfulfillment there. There's something missing in the grounding. And it may, like I said, it may be 10 pages, 10 paragraphs, 10 chapters, or one paragraph. So I think, again, because it's a, I think it is based in the collective consciousness, young human thing. That it's a good thing to look at whether you do it while you're doing your outline of story or afterwards to look at stuff, yep. because it's just it's just a very you know common way to understand <coughs> and feel how a story unfolds. With the
4: the reason that it's so vital, the reason the reason that it's so vital, um, is that it gives. It's not for the writer. It gives the reader or the story listener or, or you know, the, the person to whom the story is being conveyed a familiar place to stand as they start off on the journey with you. Um, and readers absolutely require that.
3: I would say, well, one thing actually, so one one kind of, I'm going to problematize the hero's journey for a second because I'm an academia and that's what we do, we problematize everything. making like problems, it. That's, a, that's a thing, that's a, I thing. Know, a field, I work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to briefly problematize and we can argue about it, so one of the benefits of the hero's journey is that it comes with all of these archetypes and they're familiar archetypes to us all, um, so like we were talking about, for instance, the mentor or the sage figure is a very well-known archetype in most fiction, um, for one thing. Which is great, um, and then Janny was talking a little bit about, about tropes, and we could have a whole different panel about the, you know, the, the perils and pitfalls and the benefits of tropes, which is a very similar problem or benefit, depending on how you want to look at it, um, but it's also a place where you can get into flat characters and stereotypes. And especially if you're trying to write diversely, that's something you really need to look out for. So like in Star Wars, the mentor figure is Yoda, or Obi-Wan. We've got two two potentials, right? Two stories. Sometimes there's more than one. (laughs) (laughs) You've actually got two stories going on. Um, But a lot of times the sage figure, I mean, we can think of some very stereotypical mentor or sage figures. Like actually a lot of times it's a wise old black man, for instance, Uh, that's
2: a very. Or Argument, um,
3: which sometimes there's nothing wrong with that, but you want to make sure that you're not you're you know you're not falling into something that's stereotypical, or in the worst case scenario, boarding on racist. Like I mean, the other typical st- st- sage type character would be um, like Mr. Miyagi in the Karate Kid, who I love dearly. But yeah, <laughs> many of us is a very very wonderful character that resonated with us, but. If you use it incorrectly in your story, you might be it maybe won't age well either. Yeah, and you may be treading kind of on that. The you're going from drug to stereotype to racism. Like you know, there's some sort of spectrum there. So you want to make you want to be careful when you're when you're playing with the archetypes. I guess is my my Do We think it
1: applies to all stories, or that there are occasional stories that just don't fit. Because I was we, thinking about that. Does Pride and Prejudice Fit the hero's journey, and I could stretch it and get there as pieces I, of it. Well, well I always think it's yeah. more like
5: pieces of it's it pieces because again, it's a, it's a human experience. So you don't have to have all 12 steps, but almost any story you have is going to have some part, even if it's flash fiction. You're going to have some part of those 12 human interactions involved. And I can get a call
1: story. to adventure, and even a resisting the call out of Pride and Prejudice. Absolutely. So I, I, think, uh, I think
2: what you're, what you're recognizing is, is mainly resident in uh, what we call literary fiction, um, where, where, where it's less about <coughs> less about a person's journey um, um, because of some outside influence and more about a person's journey because of some in, inside influence. Because I, I, I just read Donna Tartt's Goldfish, right, which won the Pulitzer Prize last year. Um, phenomenal, novel. just an amazing writer. She's written three novels in thirty years, and they're all just wonderful. But they don't have a step eleven or twelve; none of them do. And yet, I still like them because she was so good at all the ten steps up, up to up to that point that I was I was pleased. You know, it. Many of us have encountered books that just end, where there's no fulfillment, there's no dénouement, there's nothing like this. And most of the times we hate them. We want to, we want to grab the, the author and punch him in the face. They're in the book, you know. But in her case, the way she wrote it, it was fine. I was, I was okay with it. I don't think it has if to you're be good enough, you can thing. break all the down. rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing worse than that, Wesley, is when they use baby next and mecha dial to meet a deadline
0: or something. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like you get all the way through and all the great yeah, steps, okay. and then like the last two steps is like. Three pages each. It's like, yeah. Right. And then God says, Done, yeah. here you are. Or well, everybody wakes
4: up. Or whatever. Like everybody Dallas. It was all a <laughs> dream. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's dream. called a bad book. <laughs> yeah.
2: There's a question in the front row from this beautiful lady in the blue. I don't know
4: who
0: that person
5: is. Who's that person? Her. I don't know. I'd
0: like to know how you apply it to art. Good point. Yeah, how do you apply it to art? Well, yeah. it's actually. Yeah, in, interestingly enough, there is in composition because there are things that are pleasing to the eye and then there are things that are not pleasing to the eye. And there are things that some people find attractive and others don't, and, and vice versa. But there are actually aspects that do apply in the hero's journey to uh, a composition, a, a very successful composition of art. This is, uh, you can go back to, for example, Rembrandt, uh, painted a marketplace you can actually almost pick out characters that would fill the roles in the hero's journey from this montage. All the archetypes All yeah. the are in there in some fashion. You've got the guy haggling, you know, it's like, oh, well, there's an adversity or There's, you know, somebody who is trying to do something or get away with, it, you know. So, absolutely, art uh, can in many ways reflect it. And, and some of the great art, I, I argue, actually incorporates uh, aspects of it. Uh, and that's why it kind of... It hits on that storyteller gene, if you want to, you know, think of it that way, that we go, oh, it's you know, it draws a person in, just like, you know, a good story draws a person into it, and you're, you're, you know, you're wanting to go through that process, and a good piece of art will do the same thing for you. Now, I make no pretensions that my art accomplishes that at this stage. This is my, you know, one of my life goals, is to make this, you know, grand epic masterpiece that people will fall into, and, and you know, sit there and look at for an hour in some gallery somewhere, but uh, and that that's something to aspire to. Uh, but just like writing, it's something you can't force. You know, you can you, you can try and hit the aspects, and you can try try and, and and make it happen. If you're trying to tell a story in a picture, now others there's a difference between telling a story in a picture and a simple illustration. If you have a character in a book, and I'm going to give you an image of that character, it helps lend. To that story, and it gives and it gives a tie-in, so that there it, it, it gives you a little bit more visual acuity to what's going on, and so that, and and in that fashion, it works as part of the hero's journey.
1: Well, like looking at the piece of artwork you have up on your yes. screen, I can see it as representing a part of the hero's journey that's mm-hmm. like happening; it's in process. Because you've used the white to draw us in, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of black space there's, there's in every there's space a lot of contrast. To draw Yes, that's why that's why I
0: put this piece up. This is one of mine that I kind of yeah. have a little bit of that. You've got the the world below. Yeah. it's it's the it's the reality. It's the beginning. It's, it's the plain plain thing. We have obviously you know the rocket ships, and there's a juxtaposition that's actually occurring here. And it's a visual aspect that. You know, if you put things in a tertiary space and you have alignments of various things and you have balances of color and lighting, those are all things that will draw the eye. Uh, and you're right, we've got the blackness up here and we're, we're going into the unknown, which is this is the, the special world, is somewhere up here. Uh, and, and this would be, this is also a, an archetypical example of what uh, science fiction novel covers look like. Because again, the stuff inside is great you know, and hopefully the writer has <laughs> done his job. Uh, but when you're wandering through the bookstore, and if you if, if it's not the name that you're looking for, it's usually the cover, it's the next graph. And that's why it's very important to publishers that they get something that boom catches you. So kind of giving that get getting that pull is like, oh hey, there's something going in the space, something's happening here. And you might be inclined to pick that book up and, and then turn reading. So it does definitely have a tie-in. Or you know, trying to get all twelve items into a piece of art, you have to have something like Rembrandt's things. Okay, where you just got tons of stuff going on and lots of characters and lots and lots of things or, or aspects. We're not even going to talk about Ramona's Bosch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that good drugs. Uh, but anyway, uh, so this is the hook, and and it's the artist's job to take the, the story and provide that visual hook to pull you into the story or make you even more feel a part of the story. Because you've got, you've got a face or a thing that is part of that story that you are able to visualize and apply to. So I just wanted to,
5: to say that I I hadn't ever really thought about this with art. So this is really amazing and wonderful. And then I would like a lot of art, and I like abstract art, and I just was sitting here listening to you thinking, yeah, you know what, those pictures that are abstract, but that I look at for a long time, I never thought about it looking through that, that sense, but if, like again, in this sort of young, <coughs> subconscious way, I suspect now I'm gonna go back and look at it, because I think there is a, a point where you're bought into something that's or something that's light, something that's, you know what I'm saying, in a very surrealistic,
3: Unmentionable. Thank you for breaking my brain. It <laughs> 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 happens in songs too. Actually, if you listen, even just simple, Ooh, yes. even oh, yes. simple, oh, simple pop songs, even which is really amazing. And so, one of my favorite artists is Sia. I don't know if you guys are familiar with her, but yeah. uh, in one of her interviews, I, this actually really resonated with me. She said, "Well, I realized that one of the things that makes pop songs so Um, easily recognizable by so many people is that they do this thing where your job really is to take somebody in three minutes from tragedy to triumph (laughs) in three minutes in a song and Unless and it's I, an song. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good it's a normal <laughs> it's, <about> rap. <laughs> it's a regular palm song, that's what you're supposed to do. That's like like the music.
2: Yeah. yeah, and
3: it really I was like, wow, that's exactly kind of in a lot of ways, you know, what you're supposed to do with a lot of different types of fictions to go from tragedy to triumph. It sounds so simple, but in a lot of ways that's what's going on with the hero's journey. As as I was sitting there plotting a novel with my friend the other night, I was like, I, I remembered that quote from an uh, an interview with C and it really resonated with me, so, you know, in other different types of art, you see this same sort of yearning for um, this pattern.
1: I've been thinking about ever since Wes talked about stories that feel like they don't end, that I have that reaction to a lot of short fiction that doesn't work for me, and that it may be that in short fiction writers aren't applying it as much, and while it doesn't need to be in every short story, maybe at least some of the short stories that feel like they just end could be given more of a sense of closure. Well, I
5: think when I think about slice of life, I mean, people haven't heard this used in a long time, but there was a time not long ago where that definition for a story was kind of like the hot thing. And I I always thought what that is, is that you're like dropping into the whole hero's journey for just this little piece. And the reason that never bothered me is because I'm, I have an imagination that's distractive. <laughs> like I have to really focus to be in the real world, which I'm really not unhappy about this week. And um, and so even if I only had a, a, a one-page slice-of-life flash fiction, I could fill in a whole arc in my imagination and I and therefore did not find that unsatisfying, although I know some people do. But, you know, for like the three-year-old kid his so.
2: Yes, back, back in the back.
4: Uh, what about trilogies and series fiction? If you have a hero's journey play out over multiple volumes? Do you have different people having a hero's journey? Does one guy get to have three or four hero's journeys?
2: I, yes, to all of
0: ah, us. Yes to everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Even beyond that, one of the things that's made for a, a current very popular format in and to in the media for a second is the concept of a television series that has got an ongoing story arc that can go for eleven seasons or more. Where you've got this 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 story that is stretching out and there's there's things that go, you know, seasons long or even beyond that. Yes, and, and but then we have many heroes' journeys inside of that. Each so episode every every is that, episode so is a hero's journey, but there's an right, like over and, arc. And there's an arc, there's arc, like arc. So that you know. so, I mean, Babylon Five was one of the, the first best ones to do that on a science fiction front, where there's this big long story arc going on, but then there's all these little things that are going on in the original and they may Star Trek, so and yeah, they they or may not, they may or may not, you know, affect the things down in this one. Star Trek actually, you know, it, it was later on, but the early ones, they always wanted to have a resolution, you know, the, the whole story had to happen within it. But episode. In, in the whole arc of
5: the original,
0: you had, you know, Turk and Spock. You had the same and characters and doing yeah. all the different things, absolutely. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, the other interesting thing is that um, looking at those different formats like you're talking about, so this is complicated, right? There's 12 steps, it gets a little cumbersome, and so... Many people have made attempts to kind of either distill or change or adapt the hero's journey to other formats or easier um, things. So if you're if you're a writer, you might want to get out your pen. I've got some <laughs> some uh, recommendations for you. So my favorite one is this book. It is going to sound funny. It's called Take Off Your Pants. I like it already. Is it a tutorial? <laughs> it is a tutorial. <laughs> but it's not about how to, it is about how to take off your writing pants. <laughs> so, if for those of you who aren't familiar, there's two terms. There's plotters, who obviously that's the people who plot because they have to, because otherwise they won't, their books won't be accepted. Right. Um, and then there's people that are pantsers who write by the seat of the pants, meaning you just kind of write as you go along. Um, and if you do that, um, as we all think, know there's a joy of discovery, but one an editor probably won't take it, and two you'll spend a lot more time. Are, yeah, more. yeah. <laughs> and you'll but no matter what you'll you'll spend more time in the editing phase. So take off your pants is a really quick read and it's kind of like a distilled version of the hero's journey. And So if this is too much, I would recommend reading Take Off Your Pants and giving that a try. What is Star Wars one with pictures? I'm just right. saying. Star, <laughs> Star Wars one? It, pictures. It's kind of cool because it, it revolves around the flaw. So one of the thing, big things about this is, is working with the flaw and Take Off Your Pants really centers around making your plot around your character's flaw and working with that, which is really fun with series, television series, because a lot of times, flaws will be resolved and then come back. I write anti-heroes, flaws are resolved and then come back. So it kind of gives you more wiggle room to work with other formats. Um, I I,
4: I just wanted to say, uh, one of the technical differences between science fiction and other forms of literature is that sometimes in science fiction, it isn't the, a person, a hero, going through the hero's journey. <coughs> sometimes it is a planet. Star Trek, it is the enterprise mm-hmm. that is undergoing the hero's journey. It is not the individual characters, although they may within within a story arc. But the overall journey of Star Trek is the enterprise's journey, hero's journey. And, um, and this is a thing that science fiction does that other forms of literature do not do. Um, and it's one of the things that I really love about it. It, it makes it very exciting. It gives us a, uh, an element that, that we can use that isn't available to a lot of other writers. You know, I just had a flash in The, in the, yeah. the Fog is the town. It is the town that is going undergoing the journey. Correct. Correct. And if you're uh, going to write science way. fiction, you have to always remember that your background, your environment, your speculative element, your planet, your ship ge- can be your main character.
1: I'm not thinking about. This
0: I'll just, I'm thinking
1: there might be some literary fiction if we looked at it where the town is a character mm-hmm. or the place is a character, where that also applies. All, the, all, the of, all of those college,
4: the town, town, it the, the college town novels, it's, it's the town is a main character. I just was curious, how, how
3: is it just sci-fi, fantasy, or like you take Pat Conroy's Prince of Tides, is that a hero's journey, or...? Uh, some story, something like that. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. As you mentioned, it both is, of those, I, I, I
2: thought of the journey, you know, from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
3: And there's other, like I said, there's other things that I've tried to make, you know, adapt it more towards a particular <coughs> genre. Like there's a book called Save the Cat, yep. um, which is mm-hmm. kind of Hero's Journey specifically for screenwriting right. um, and for movies. Um, and then there's this other, oh my gosh, I'm going to say it wrong. Somebody correct this. I think it's the Young Novel Project. I
2: mean, no
3: no. Google the Young Novel Project, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called, but it's, it's somebody who's taken the hero's journey and broken it down, I think, in and even more excruciating detail, but applied it to young adult movies and novels, so she goes okay. through um, Twilight, uh, Hunger Games, and kind of puts out beats that are, are, are necessary for young adult fiction to be successful, kind of... Working off of the hero's journey, but containing other things, and you can agree or disagree. Uh, some of it feels a little bit shoehorned in, but what, if you're, especially if you're a young adult writer or into young adult um, screenwriting, I would recommend checking that out because there's some interesting things um, that don't <coughs> occur in the hero's journey, like the the failed celebration or something is like one of the beats in the in the young writer's journey, I guess you could yeah. say. So. The hero's
0: journey is a any form of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can go from pretty much any writing genre if you want to look at it you have perspective. it. You can take them a step back, whether the you know, movies or shows or anything like that. Anything that's truly successful, you're going to find aspects of the hero's journey in uh, and, and again, it goes back to that genetic whatever switch that you know makes it appeal to us and, and helps us relate I think is really the Key aspects is, is that we're able to go. It, it takes us a step beyond, and, and we're interested in, it, and it draws us in, and it draws us through it. Uh, and that's why you can watch when Harry Met Sally. You can, you know, you can read a, uh, any regular fiction book off the shelf, and if it's well written, it's, you're gonna. If you analyze it, you're gonna go, oh, hey, okay, look. And so. That's why a lot of the great writers will now they realize, and this is one of the things that Joseph Campbell, back when he took a look at, says, what makes a great story? And we're talking, you know, we'll look back at Beowulf we'll, you know, across the spectrum, the Iliad, uh, all all of the different stories and, and things of myth and mythos, and what's the commonality? What made these last through the eons? Great? Uh, and it actually ends up being a thread that seems to just kind of be pervasive whether we intend to work in the era or not.
1: I have a note here right now to start looking at all the picture books I've been reading since I have a three-year-old and think about yeah. whether or not the hero's journey can be applied. And I think that might be the missing step <laughs> for me to understanding how to write picture books, which is a hard hard genre that I've never mastered. Yes,
2: question up here. That me? Yes.
1: Okay, I just want to say, when Arizona looked at plays that were being written at his time, he said, this is what drama is. And then or succeeding generations said, this is how you write plays, and it deadened things. You know, it had to happen a certain amount of time. It had to have a heroic character. It had to be a male to be a tragedy. It couldn't be a female. And so I just want to leave us with this caveat that no matter how useful this is to us as writers, let's not let it become a straight
0: They're not restrictions,
1: they're
4: guideposts.
1: Exactly. Tools for understanding the story. Yes, sir. A couple things. First, if you're
0: really left brain about all this, should take a look at the Anatomy of Story by John Truby, who uh, separates the hero's journey into 22 steps. (laughs) It's a book for screenwriters, you'll find Bowler there. Bowler is really... Joseph Campbell, light like a hero with a thousand faces, is a much
4: better read. Oh, yes. I have a question for you. I have, in all the hero's journeys that I have read, I have never found
2: one where the hero knew consciously that he or she was on a hero's journey. Do you know any stories like that? You know what came no, to mind. Robot, I wrote one. That's why. What what came church. to mind is Heinlein, Job, a comedy of justice. Yes. yes. Yeah. Job knew that he was on a hero's that's journey. Right. That's
1: right. Yep. Actually, I think a lot of middle grade protagonists who are looking for adventures and are conscious they're having an adventure they wouldn't call it the hero's journey but on some level they're aware that that's what they're on mm.
5: So I just I wanted to say one last thing about this whole thing this and the other I'm doing a series of stories science fiction stories now and um, it's about these aliens coming into our world in different ways and one of the things I'm working really hard to do is how alien can I make them and so now I'm thinking I mean, not that I'm changing it. I want to make them. I want to make them as alien as possible. And I realize as I'm working on a story and I'm not doing this so consciously, is that the grounding for the reader is in humans' reactions, but I'm not resolving the aliens side. And it's, it's really quite a challenge, because I, haven't, I have found some science fiction with real alien aliens, but not a whole lot. And I've been reading science fiction for 50 years. So it's, it's been quite a challenge
0: for me. So well, it's the effort for more of effect and know what actually you know, what plays into the storytelling or any kind of thing that we're doing. We are humans. We think as humans and we react as humans. And no matter how strange we try to make something, inevitably we, we can only put our perspective as humans into it. So well, you guys tell me after the collection comes out whether it works not. I mean the human story's there, but I'm not really trying to resolve
5: the alien side in any human way. It's it, it, you
2: problem. know oftentimes it's really hard. I mean David Brin in his Uplift War series, yes, he had these yes. he had these these um, I don't know chicken type aliens that were really hard to identify with, and they had their own hero's journey, and he and he resolved it, but that was my least favorite part of the book it because to I couldn't relate as a human, right? Uh, we have about ten minutes left. And this is five. five. We'll this morning. is this is normally when we when we um, give the panelists one last time to say something to the audience and then we conclude. So Jenny, you want to start?
1: Well one of the things that struck me, I began thinking about the hero's journeys, which we've already actually covered, is the range of stories it can tell. And I was going back in my own work and I realized I'd done everything from like light fluffy funny adventure to dark moody angsty, you know, mythic-looking journey. So I just find it impressive. I agree with everyone who says we shouldn't get too bound by it. But also, it is amazing how many places you can find it. And I think it's also, especially if you're not an outliner, okay not to overthink it at the beginning <laughs> and just have fun, you know, then use it as a tool later on in the process. And I, I agree. I, I, I think it's a mistake and a
4: kind of a cheat to walk into writing saying okay I'm always going to follow this particular set of steps in order to make a plot I think writers need to use it as a tool, recognize that it's a tool uh, that they have at their hands that they can use to help structure plot
3: um I have a, maybe not a message, but just a a challenge for you. For any of those of you who are um, fans of Japanese anime, um, or for now that's becoming very popular, Korean dramas, I would challenge you to look at it and ask yourself, do you think this fits the hero's journey or not? Because we're kind of saying this is not just a Western thing, it's it's a ubiquitous thing. Um, but you might find it expressed in different ways, and how are those being expressed differently in different cultures? What does a hero look like? Are they the same, are they different? Why or why not? How might you use those differences in your storytelling as um, you know, things that like Korean dramas and anime are very popular in, in our own culture? Um, so challenging to kind of look cross-culturally and see what elements are same, the same or different and see how you might be able to use that in your own work.
2: One of the things I, I'd also like to challenge you is, is is go online and print out print out the, the, the hero's journey. You can find many different versions of it. Find one you like, print it out, and then keep it by your television and keep it by your book so that next time you watch a movie or you read a book, kind of like go, okay, yeah, step one, uh-huh. step two, and you'll see how how predominantly the things that you like the most fit that journey. And it's kind of fun to, to you know, f- realize that not knowing that this is how it works.
5: So everyone's talking about the writing part, so I'm not going to. I'm just going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say I agree with Weston. Pick out, write out, the, you know, print out the 12 steps and think about how your life is and how every entity, whether it's you, your family, or this country, in order to get to an
0: evolutionary point and actually grow, you have to go through the 12 steps. That's all. The only thing I have to say is, is it should be required reading that you read Joseph Campbell's hero with a oh, thousand
2: trouble. pieces. totally. Yeah, totally. That's where it begins. Okay, Thank you, you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the 5th Edition, And Scion, Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.